Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. What up, y'all? It's T-Bob from Snaps, the new hottest daily college football podcast presented by FanDuel. The Super Bowl is here, and yes, I may be a college football man but i love the nfl and there's no better place to get in on the action than at fanduel why because fanduel has awesome exclusive super bowl offers for both new and existing users look there's going to be a ton of different bets new markets available for the game of course as always you can do same game parlays which america seems to really love a great way of giving you a lot of juice on one game if you get there late don't worry live betting is available and again a ton of different ways and when you win you get paid fast so continue while we wait for the super bowl this final week remember any nba nhl college basketball soccer anything everything there for you on FanDuel. download the FanDuel app today and start making every moment more during super bowl 57 oh, 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 oh. what is up internet you thought we were on vacation, but when you're addicted to the take game, there are no takes off. Mm. And uh, we got to give a huge shout out to our guy, Aaron Murray here, as he is currently, I believe, in uh, the Bahamas or somewhere islandy. He's looking mm-hmm. fresh to death. He's got a sleeveless shirt on, looking surprisingly yoked. Aaron, I'll give it to you. I don't know if you've been lifting, but the arms look great. And um, we're going to do a quick non-live snaps today. We've got 30 minutes, a few things that we want to break down. I'm not entirely sure how many will do this during the week. We'll do a couple, but the point is we're not taking the week off here on snaps. Mm-mm. We're here to give you all the college football takes your little heart can desire. Aaron, what's up, man? How's VK? VK is phenomenal. It's sunny, working on my tan. We're about to go to the water park, get some drinks. And uh, there's a little casino here. We're up pretty big right now. So fingers crossed that we don't lose all that here in the next couple of days. But yeah, too many good stuff going on. I like, like we've talked about before with, with college football. It seems like the new cycle never ends. Like we were thinking like, okay, maybe next week, a little vacation. It's going to be dead. 
And then yesterday, it's just story after story after story. We had to we had we got to get the people they want, T Bob. We got to do it. So uh, happy to see you working yeah. on my tan, trying not to get burned over here, but we'll have some fun. Yeah, look and look, you're you're definitely not going to lose that money back to the casino. Like you know, no. it's, it's never happened. Like Hopefully. like you're you're definitely going to wake walk away with a lot of money. So just just look forward to that. You're going to we should probably just stop now. We should probably just not. <laughs> gamble anymore that's the problem the problem is t-ball this is the problem you're you're new orleans guy and, and yeah. louisiana guy yeah. you guys like to gamble there yeah. the problem is especially with blackjack it seems like the past two days we win big early so like i'm five minutes in and i'm like way up so i'm like this sucks because i want to keep playing because i'm having fun but then if i do stay most likely i'm going to lose it all so like i only end up playing for like five or ten minutes and i'm kind of like sitting my uh... like like, what do you like? What it sucks. Like, can I play with mm-hmm. fake money at that point? Like, is there any way to like go play like a monopoly? No, style? I mean, look, I think, um, I think at that point, you the, the play is you get up big. Are you, I'm, I'm assuming you're not playing on the cheapest tables already. Uh, we're like $25 hands, is what we're at. Okay. So like, okay. Yeah. Not like, not like then crazy. If you can go find a $15 hand, $10, you know, yeah. go to the cheapest table and just sit there and drink and, and play, yeah, and you won't get your winnings as much. It's up to you, dude. Yeah. It's up to you. I'm offering the economical man's way of gambling here. Uh, all right. Well, look. Uh, ah, I want to dive into water park, but maybe we'll circle back around there. Let's get some college football. Try the people are here. Uh, shout out the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Promo code SNAPS. I uh, got some great sign-up deals there. Uh, huge thank you for the volume sports and Cowherd and everybody for giving us this chance. All right. Let's do this thing. Aaron Bama has a couple of new coordinators. <laughs> And uh, we we were on one. We knew who the first was going to be. As uh, it is official now, Tommy Reese has left Notre Dame. As I said, the man should run to Tuscaloosa. He thought so as well, as he is now the Alabama offensive coordinator. And then maybe a bit more surprisingly, Kevin Steele hired as defensive yeah. coordinator. Now, I offered a lot of Todd Grantham jokes to all my Alabama friends. It looks like karma got me as Todd Grantham ironically ended up on the New Orleans <laughs> Saints staff after it was all said and done. But like the, the, the Kevin Steele, I know Kevin Steele is good, but but to me, it's not that different from the Todd Grantham jokes. This is kind of fascinating for multiple reasons. Um, first off, we can get to the pressure on Tommy Reese and what this job really entails. And I find that to be pretty intriguing, but Looking at both hires taken together, Aaron, what blows me away is you are talking about two opposite ends of the hiring spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. On one hand, you're going with a 30-year-old, an up-and-comer. You are betting on an up-and-comer in a way that Saban never really has in his entire time at Alabama. And then on the other side of the hand, you've gone complete opposite. You're going with a 64 years old. Think about that. Kevin Steele is over... Double the age of the man who will now be his peer that he'll be squaring off with every single day. He's been like a SEC major or just a major football lifer. So Nick Saban proving that he'll hire from multiple different backgrounds uh, as long as he deems you worthy. Well, I think on the defensive side of the football, I'm not as – maybe because I'm an offensive guy too. Like I'm not as worried about that the football just because that's 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 Nick Saban's baby Nick is one of the best defensive minds in America like getting getting someone that he's familiar with that they can work together to make some of the corrections on that side of the football like I like 
the hire. I like Kevin Steele on that side. And the more I kind of dive into this whole Tommy Reese thing from Notre Dame, the more and more I like it. And I think a lot of people's big take is like, oh, they're going to get back to more of that physical style of football that Alabama fans have been wanting. Like, yes, that is going to be a part of it, but that's not really what makes me excited because you look at Notre Dame the past few years when it comes to rushing offense, because that's what everyone's saying. Like, oh, we're going to get back to the Derrick Henry style of offense that 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 made Alabama great and which has been a part of this dynasty for the past decade. Plus, look at Notre Dame running the football for the past few years. Uh, 2021, they were 83rd in the country. 2022, this past year, they were 35th in the country. Their best year was back in 2020. They were 24. So we're not, talking, we're not like we're talking about a top 20, top 15, top 10 rushing attack at Notre Dame that we're bringing over. Yes, there is going to be a physicality to this offense that maybe we haven't seen from these past couple of years. But for me, when I think of offenses and the evolution of offense for the past 15 years, this is what gets me excited about Tommy Reese. This isn't going backwards. This essentially is still evolving as an offense. So give a little history lesson. 15 years ago when Nick Saban started going, what were the offenses? A lot of 21 personnel, two backs, a fullback, a tight end, two receivers, play action pass, downhill running, zone, power schemes. That is what you got. Lower scoring games, and then you play great defense on top of that. All of a sudden, we've seen the evolution to these these spread offenses, the RPOs, the run pass options, where you know you get an athletic quarterback, you make it really easy on him, you get great receivers on the outside, and you just play a numbers game. Heavy box, an extra linebacker safety, or a nickel kind of cheating in there. Boom, we got a quick bubble screen on the outside. You want to have a light box, two safeties, we'll then run the football. That was the next evolution. Now, all of a sudden, what we're seeing in offenses, and you see it a lot in the NFL, some of the best offenses in the NFL, Kansas City Chiefs come to mind. And then you look at what Todd Munkin has done at Georgia as well. It isn't going backwards. It isn't all of a sudden you're seeing 21 personnel downhill running. It is using your personnel. It is using your weapons in unique ways. And what has Todd Munkin done? What has Andy Reid done in, in Kansas City? It's the tight ends. It's that chess piece. It's moving those guys around creating matchups against linebackers and safeties. It's moving running backs around and creating matchups against linebackers and safeties. It's moving receivers in unique positions as well, putting them in the backfield. So it isn't going backwards. It's it's the next evolution of offense. And you look at what Tommy Reese has done at, at, at Notre Dame. Yes, they want to run the football, but look what he's done with Michael Meyer. And, and you have to have the personnel. You can't just say, hey, I want to incorporate a tight end to our offense. I want to move this guy around. And create matchups and it's going to work like you still have to have that dude and 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 george has been blessed with having that and notre dame obviously has been blessed with having michael meyer but that is what he brings it is that next stage of offense so i don't want alabama's the fans to think that hey we're going to go backwards and we're going to go old school no it's it's i think it's a good blend of of new and old school you're going to get from tommy reese and i absolutely love it i love that style of offense i love what munkin's done i love what andy reed's done those in my mind are the best offenses in America at both levels. You're going to get more of that from Tommy Reese. Okay. Now watch it. I mean, you know, Philadelphia, Nick Sirianni uh, probably wants to be included in that number. They got a great tight end too. I mean, you know, the Niners and San Fran certainly are kind of the epitome. Kyle Shannon of exactly what you're talking about, right? Using like a mixture of old and new concepts, but patch, uh, patching them together um, by, by yep. really focusing on like maximizing these personnel mismatches. Now, San Fran's a bit unique as well in that they can play like positionless football with use Jake and McCaffrey yeah. and everybody else. No, you're right. Look, Tom Reese is a great offensive mind. There's no doubt about that. 
Brian Kelly desperately wanted to be his OC, and now Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. So, like, those guys are going to forget more football than I will ever know. So they tell me he's the guy. Yeah. I believe them. I think this is a bit and, – and, look, Alabama needs – you know, they're unsure quarterback right now. And look what Tom Reed yeah. did with quarterback in Notre Dame. He brings an Ian Book-led team to the playoff with a Wisconsin yeah. transfer, Jack Cohen. They go 11-1. and one. And even this last year, after losing Tyler Buckner immediately and having to work in a new quarterback, Drew Pine, um, you finish season on a nine and two run. Like, yeah, it took him a little bit, but he found a way to make that offense successful. So I think everything up to this point is great. But, Aaron, is it possible for him to live up to the standards of Alabama fans? Because here's where it gets a bit interesting. Um, As we said, the past five coordinators, Loxley, Kiffin, Sarkeesian, Dayball, Bill O'Brien, they all did incredible jobs. But Alabama fans were ready to run kind of the majority of them out of town. Now, I think they were happy with Sarkeesian, they were happy with Kiffin. But, like, even Bill O'Brien out here at the end, uh, they hated him. And it's like, can Tommy Reese actually be that much better than what these guys have put forward, right? And so my question is, like, that lineage, that same lineage that makes this job so attractive, and you might say, well, why not LSU compared to Alabama? Well, it's obvious to me, right? Look at the stability at Alabama. Look at the fact that, you know, how they're competing for championships, the the talent that they have. Look at the last five OCs did. Like, it's obvious, right? But all those same things that make it such an attractive landing spot mean it is a landing spot where the bar is impossibly high. And so, like, that is the question, Aaron. Can can Tommy Reese, like, what does Tommy Reese even need to do to live up to expectations? He has to, like, set literal NCAA records, or I'm just afraid that it's not going to be good enough. Well, he will. I mean, that, that's that's the dilemma. I mean, this is it's a burden. I mean, yes, you get the ability to now coach four and five stars and the best athletes in the country. But you also that that with that comes the expectations of we should be a top ten offense. You know, we want to be the ones imposing our will. And and you know, I think this is where Alabama fans need to figure out exactly what they want. I mean, do you want the the Mac Jones era of 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 scoring, you know, in the mid forties to fifty points per game, or do you really want and truly want to be more of an offense that that controls the clock, that controls the tempo, that is a little bit more physical at the line of scrimmage that runs a little bit more that beats a team up and that imposes its will, but maybe only scores 35 points per game. So like, what is success at the end of the day? You know, what is, what is, what, 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 if if we're going to base our success on what makes Alabama fans happy, I think they need to figure out what's happy because I love the Mac Jones era. Like I love the fact that they're scoring 50 points per game, but you have to also run a certain style of offense to be able to do that. If you don't want to run that offense and you do want to be more physical, well, you're not going to score as many more points. So at the end of the day, this is what we've talked about before. Like when it comes to being nitpicky and when you are the best of the best, you're never going to be happy one way or the other. To me, it's just win, baby, win. And and, and I, I don't want to put all that pressure on Tommy Reese either, though. Like at the end of the day, you know, the defense last year also didn't play up to expectations. When you see that team... And the players that are going to be drafted off that Alabama defense this year, and you, you guys like Will Anderson, et cetera, et cetera, and the fact that they were not dominant week in and week out like they should be, I think there's just as much pressure on the defense to take a step forward. I would say, honestly, there's more pressure on the defense and should be. And I get the fact that it's Tommy Reese, it's a 30-year-old, you know, is he ready to take on you know a team that, that has the potential to win a national championship? I think he'll be just fine. I do. I don't think this offense is going to be – 
elite Bernie Sanders because of the personnel, because of the issues at quarterback, he's going to have to work out some magic there. Once again, like I'm more concerned about the defense. That is what the area, like I said at the beginning of this, that, that's Nick Saban's baby. And if Alabama wants to get back to being dominant and, and, and possibly, you know, reclaiming the SEC and taking back what was theirs and beating Georgia, it's going to come more on the defensive side of the football because that's how Georgia's won. Georgia's won the past two years because they've had a dominant defense and an offense that continues to evolve and make plays, but really it's been the defense side of the football. So it's more on Kevin Steele and it's more on Nick Saban. And I think mm-hmm. Tommy Reese right now, you know, I think I, I think just do enough score in the mid thirties, and I think Alabama fans should be happy. Can Kevin Steele be that guy? On the defensive side of the ball is a very real question as well. Now, it, it, it's the, the the Alabama effect is such that it makes it a bit hard to project going forward sometimes, right? Because certainly, like, if you were just say, oh, well, look what Kevin Steele did at Miami last year. And it, like, wasn't very good. But, you know, he's obviously going to have plays that are going to be um, – Markedly better, which which leads you to having more statistical success. Now, if you look at his time at Auburn, I mean, you probably it's been closer to what Alabama is bringing to bear, and those are some pretty good defenses. But again, I don't know if they're dominant to the point where they're just going to be like leaps and bounds better than what Pete Golding mm-hmm. was out there. And yeah. I mean, as much as people hated Bill O'Brien, they really hated Pete Golding. Well, that's all I was going to ask you at the end of the day, like. What what which coordinator was more hated last year? And I think it was Pete Golding. Like I think it was Bill Pete O'Brien. Golding. Yeah, he got some crap, but Pete Golding has been the the punching bag for Alabama. That's why I'm like to me the main focus should be on the defense side of the football and and getting that unit to take a major step forward because Pete, yeah, I thought he was fine. Like I, we've discussed in the show before, you if you really break down the numbers, they're not as bad as what people were making them out to be. And the defense was was pretty darn good. Besides, really maybe a handful of games this year. Not to Alabama but Sanders. That's the problem. That's Alabama Sanders. It's not, hey, go play great and, and, and be a dominant defense for 90% of the season. It's you need to be a great defense and a dominant defense for 95 to 100% of the season. Like that, that is their standard. It's not, okay, we'll give you grace and you just had one bad game for Tennessee or you had one bad game against this team and but you performed great and gave up less than 20, 25 points for the rest of the season. No, it's it's we expect less than 25 points per game regardless of the opponent we're playing, and, and Golding did not meet those expectations. So Bill O'Brien was given some crap because you had an Heisman winning quarterback, probably the best quarterback that that you know Nick Saban has had during his yeah. tenure as Alabama head coach. And and yes, expectations were not met as much there, but I don't think there was as much was most you know pissed off Alabama fans for the offense. It was more the defense. So yes, focus to me is defense, defense, defense. Kevin Steele, you better be ready because these fans are expecting this defense to take a major step forward. Yeah, now you have no Will Anderson. Um, yeah. Just to give you an idea of how long Kevin Steele's been in this game, it's his third stop at Alabama alone. He was D.C. in 07 before being replaced a year later. So already that's kind of like an interesting bit of a red flag. He was inside linebacker coach in 2014 before he went to LSU for one year in 2015. And so this is where I'll draw from some of my own personal fandom uh, because this this ties into this issue in a lot of ways, then we'll move on. 
Um, it's like I can't even judge Kevin Steele correctly because that 2015 year with LSU was view is is remembered in Tiger fans' minds as being just awful. It's like the same thing with Steve Spagnolo in the NFL. He was mm-hmm. he was with the New Orleans Saints one year. They set records for being bad. It convinced me that Steve Spagnolo is an awful defensive coach, and yet he has won two roles with both the Giants and continues to do very well with the Chiefs. Right? So like yeah. sometimes stops just don't fit, but. Yesterday, I was like, man, I want to go back and look at just how bad that 2015 LSU defense was, why they were so hated. And I looked it up, and, like, they they weren't that awful. You know, they're 10th in scoring yeah. defense, 5th in – which is not good, but in the SEC. 10th, you know, giving up 24 game. 5th in total defense in the SEC. Um, they were 11th in turnovers forced. Uh, like, they, they got some pretty good pressure. So, like, they whatever. My overall point is, in my memory, there's a disconnect in my memory, that 2015 year was awful. And people were ready to string Kevin Steele up and run him out of town. And it was because the level of expectation was such that it was a bit unrealistic, right? You were coming out of the John Chavis years, that LSU Golden Air, Tyre Matthew, where you're, where you're, you know, you're up there with Alabama holding teams like 11, 12 points a game. And so I've seen firsthand just how, um, fan expectation can discolor what's a kind of an all right year and well, kind of force the guy yeah. out of town. And so, like in my head, no, I don't think Kevin Steele's very exciting. No, I don't think he's going to be able to match that impossible bar. And um, yeah, I think a lot of Alabama fans will probably be left feeling about Kevin Steele how a lot of LSU fans were after 2015. What what do, what do you think right now? Before you look it up, what was? Alabama's ranking when it comes to points per game this past year on defense and yards per game given national up. rank you're talking about here national ranker national ranking I bet you they're like 11th and like ninth they were ninth in total points giving up per game in the nation ninth top ten, top top 10 defense in the country giving yeah. up points per game and 13th and total defense yards came up per game. I was close, but I mean, you were close. But like, like that's the funny thing. Like it, statistically, that was one of the best defenses in the country this year. Yeah, top ten defense giving up points per game this year, less than twenty points per game. Like it, it just the bar is so high. And and then it's funny because, and I don't even know if the bar is so high is the problem. I think for so long the the problem with the SEC and all the, we keep seeing all these coaches getting fired and replaced left and right. It was because of Alabama and Nick Saban. It mm-hmm. was because because Alabama set the bar of this is what excellence looks like, and everyone was trying to chase it. And what was that for so long? A, a top two or three defense, you know, maybe the best defense in the country, and that's what everyone was trying to get. And now all of a sudden, the script has, has kind of switched, and all of a sudden, now it's Georgia is that elite defense. So, like, even though that I'm a top ten defense, I'm not to Georgia standard. So we must make some kind of change happen in order to get to that standard because obviously they are the team. They're the best team in the country. They've won back-to-back national championships. So they are what we're all trying to strive for. So we will continue to move around and be unhappy because if we're not better than them, then it doesn't matter. And that's the truth. Like at the end of the day, this is all about winning championships. And it doesn't matter that you're the number nine defense in the country. If Georgia's better than you and Georgia's the one winning championships – then we need to do something different in order to take yeah. over Georgia and to win championships again. So now all of a sudden the standard is Georgia, no longer Alabama. And Alabama is the one making changes, trying to figure out how the hell do they get back to the top of the mountain. 
It's a great point. I would just add on that to be clear for Alabama, that logic applies. It's all about winning championships. I don't yes. think that Mizzou should be firing people for failing to no. live up to that expectation. But uh, no, great points, one and all, Aaron. So in the end, I give the hires a um a B. I feel like Reese is a potential yeah. A. I really like the potential, but but then again, maybe I just like younger stuff. I, I feel like I feel like Kevin Steele's about as boring of a hire as you probably could have ended up with. But whatever. I mean, is it really that much different than Jeremy Pruitt, which is what the Alabama fans are wanting? Not not really. Yeah. Um, okay, other stories you wanted to touch on. Jaden Rashada, the athletic had another great Jaden Rashada piece where we got an idea of more of the rhythm of this entire thing. Um and it actually checks out. It corroborates with uh, some some Florida people that I've talked to here that told me basically the same story, which is a lot of this boils down to a bidding war between Hugh Hathcock, who's one of the big Florida um, boosters, and John Ruiz, the giant Miami booster. Um, but why this article is interesting is not because of the story of how this went down, in my opinion. It's, it's you get an idea of what we talked about the other day, how much pressure was on Rashada. And now maybe that was starting to get to him a bit. And we all know, look, yes, I, I'll deal with pressure for $12 million. So that's all well and good, but you're still an 18-year-old, 17-year-old kid yeah. um, that, that has a ton on their plate. And it can, it can be overwhelming, no matter how much money's in your bank account at the end of the day. And, well, turns out none was. Um, and then we also got an idea of the NIL breakdown, like what he was actually due to be paid. And that's pretty fascinating because – he was not going to be asked to do very much. Um, so it was a $13.8 million deal over four years. Uh, for reference, uh, Kenny Pickett got $14.1 million for four years. Um, the contract had a major red flag in it from the beginning in that uh, the collective could, quote, in its sole and absolute discretion, terminate the agreement without penalty or further obligation, which it did end up doing but as the contract was originally written um it caused for a it called for a five hundred thousand dollar payment up front uh after that payments would increase from two hundred fifty thousand dollars a month as a freshman to 291 a month as a sophomore to 375 oh. as a junior and then be rounded out with some sub 200 payments as a senior to get this money all he had to do was <laughs> One branded Twitter post and one branded Instagram post a month, um, up to eight fan engagement events per year could be in person or through video conferences. Didn't matter. None would last longer than two hours. And then he just had to autograph 15 pieces of merchandise per year. Um, I know none of this went through, but this is a kind of like oh any of this God. matters because the ncaa is feckless but in a day and age where the only rule surrounding all of this stuff is it's not supposed to be inducement like for recruiting or pay for play this is about as pay for play as you could get the first 500k uh, was said to be delivered before he's ever even rolled in the school and then there is no way that you can convince me that his social media following is such that if we were to look at the market that these um and I don't care about this, but but it is funny because Florida potentially breaking the only rule you you know you can't like so blatantly, uh, but like no you you cannot convince me that what he was being asked to do would have been um, ample or ample compensation right for what he was going to get. Yes. So just a, a, a greasy deal all together that shows the danger of these like boosters getting in these pissing contests, and in the end Rashada 
ends up kind of being a victim as he gets a spotlight thrust on him that he didn't deserve. And, you know, because like, A, he probably wasn't good enough to be talked about that much. And B, he didn't deserve to have us point that out just because we're talking about it because of this money. No, well, listen, I, I don't blame the kids. Like at the end of the day, none of this is the kids' fault. And we can, I could be the salty old man who's pissed off because NIL and it's ruining the game. This isn't the kids. This is these are the collectors. These are the boosters. Like they're the ones screwing this whole thing up. So no one should ever be upset for a kid who's getting offered X amount of money to go to university. Like good for you, kid. Like go make your money. Do what you need to do, especially if it's all you know, essentially bullshit that you have to do in order to get that money. I mean, two hundred thousand dollars plus per month to post two social media posts essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then maybe attend one event that month. Like that's it. Like that is, hey. that is the, that is the, the absolute American dream right there. And then all on top of that, you have an opportunity to go play college football at a power five school like Florida. So uh, good for you for getting that on paper. Unfortunately, obviously we know it did not get done. I, I so I went back, like you um, fumbled and bumbled around with that, that athletic article last week. And uh, I went yes. back and read it a little bit. And oh, it was the, really the fascinating. Star, the star quarterback one. Yeah, I eventually yeah, found my one. rhythm with it. But yes, yes. You did, you it did, basically you just says your quarterback will not finish at your school. Don't yes. invest in him. Even and, and, unless, unless, you're Carson, unless you're Carson Beck, who is who's a man of his word and stayed at Georgia, and hopefully he'll get paid off uh, handsomely as, as a starting quarterback this year because of that. But, yeah, like it, the article was great. I mean, 75% of those top 50 kids from 2017 to 2020 – ended up transferring if they did not start in their first two seasons. And then like 87% of them uh, did not, or I think all but one essentially didn't transfer oh, or did transfer oh, oh, if they did, did not bumbling, start. Who's fumbling and bumbling now? Oh, I, this is way better than your fumbling and bumbling, T-Bob. All we, better than your fumbling and bumbling. Like, let me just, were looking for so, 97% because Carson Beck was the only yes, one that did. The yes. one, one. Uh, so – are these kids worth it? No, they're not. Are these deals absolutely stupid and outrageous? Yes, they are idiotic. They're a waste of money. But this goes back to the overall discussion. That's what college football is right now. College football is is wasteful, man. Like between the coaches' buyouts and now the, the the deals that these collectors are putting together for some of these quarterbacks to come, whether you're a kid that that is played or a kid that is in high school, in my opinion, no kid should be paid that at all. Like maybe six figures, yes, which for most kids getting that, if any kid, honestly, at that age of 18 to 22, if I know that I'm going to be making $100,000, I would take that all day of the week. I would have taken $50,000 to play. But we've gotten to the point where these deals have become so outrageous. Once again, it's not the kid's fault that they're accepting them. Yeah. Good for you. It is these groups of people that have been come together to raise money to offer these kids and I just think it's unsustainable at the end of the day. Like, I don't see this lasting for another three or four years because these stories about guys transferring, deals being <laughs> essentially fall, deals falling apart like we just saw at Florida, That's this is just a start. So this is an unsustainable model that will not last because these kids are unproven. They're 18 years old. And all it's going to take is a few of them to not play well or transfer for all of a sudden these donors to say, I just gave you $200,000. This kid didn't play. This kid transferred. No, I'm not going to give any more money. Similar to what happened at Texas. Like if I'm an A&M donor, after all the money that was raised for that class last year, smoking in the locker room, guys transferring out, I'm sorry, but that collective pot should and I think will continue to go down 
especially with you know a head coach that's making that much money and not, you know not a lot of success on the football field. So I just think the model's stupid. Like I said, I think it's unsustainable. I think it's going to continue to change here in the near future, especially when these big time high profile quarterbacks continue to end up not panning well, out. Yeah, we'll see, man. Um, is it Adam Smith, the old like econ- economist that you read about in like social studies? It talks about the invisible hand, like. Yeah, maybe the market will self-correct. I mean, here on Snaps, we are firm believers to save your NIL money for transfer quarterbacks, okay? Yes. I'll pay the fuck out of a transfer quarterback. Just maybe chill on the high school guys mm-hmm. um, a little bit there. And, and the, the only other takeaway from this, again, like I said, is there's there's an anecdote relayed about Jaden Rashada being at the Elite 11 camp. The news is just broken about like a $9.5 million deal. And just kind of, you know, here's a kid – who's not playing well. He's not he's not necessarily even doing as good as the others around him, like his peers, and yet all of his peers are openly talking about how much money he's making. You hear the coach over every hundreds of people there. He starts with the balls there. You could just feel the pressure that was building up within him. So I'm glad that Jaden Rashada actually ends up free of all of that, not in the state of Florida, goes to Arizona State where his father played. No NIL deal there. Go earn it. Um again, you know I don't know. I kind of wish he went to Florida and didn't play it and transferred, and Florida looked like a bunch of jackasses for this decision. I really do. I, there, nothing would have made me happier with this whole situation if Jaden Rashad would have gone to Florida, made $3 million, made $3 million, and then decides to transfer after like his second season. Like I would have been like, you're, you're a bunch of idiots for making that deal, Florida. And good for you, <laughs> Jaden, for making $3 million without having to go play a single game. I don't think that Jaden Rashada – I mean, I think you still got it, man. I think we got the best of both worlds. I think Jaden Rashada is in a better place for him, and I think Florida do look like complete idiots. So, like, I don't think, yeah, I don't think do. anybody's they coming out of this being like, Florida looks good. No, Florida no like, God, yeah. no. All right, three minutes left here. Real quick, um, Texas and OU are remaining in the Big 12 for another year, it looks like, as talks have stalled to get them out in 2024. It has to do with TV contracts, and it has to do with a 99-year agreement signed in 2012, which the Big 12 schools agreed to be together for 99 years. What sort of divorce is Who, like, I'm so confused. What smart, forward-thinking businessmen in the age of the Internet and the incredibly rapid change of our society were like, yeah, we should agree to a 99-year contract. Like, that just inherently seems like bad business, but... What it's going to result in is we'll probably get a big 14 for the next couple of years, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's similar to like the ACC contract. Like who signed that deal that locked you into what, like 2035, essentially? Like, you know, and all these ACC schools now just kind of sitting back, like how the hell do we get out of this? It looks like that ain't going to happen. So I, I'm I'm more upset for the situation for the fact that I just want to call it football to be settled. Like here, yes. 2024, yes. this is College football, we have a 12-team playoff. The The Big Ten is this. Now with the additions of USC and UCLA, I don't think they're done. I do think that, that there's a chance that we may hear some more news this offseason of possibly more schools leaving the Pac-12 to go to either the Big 12 or the Big Ten. Because um, I, I do think if we, we, we went over the schedule last week with the Big 12. Like When you take Oklahoma and Texas out of the equation in two years and you look at the teams that are left in that conference, it's not – to me, really sexy. It's not like, no. wow, that's an awesome conference. So, no, you know, I do wonder if they're going to try and get some more teams, if the Big Ten also is going to try to get some more teams. I do think all that is going to try to happen leading into that 2024 season. 
So it would have been great to see Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC. And just like I said, hey, rubber stamp, bam, college football for you, college football fans that have, you know, bitched and moaned and said you wanted this or didn't want this. Well, guess what? We don't really care. This is it. And we're here. And this is what college football is going to look like for the next five to 10 years until we make some other change. So um, it's not the end of the world. It isn't. We all survived. I do think it would have been better, though, just to just be done with all the off the field issues and just focus on this is what college football looks like. So but Aaron. it does give Texas and Oklahoma. It, it gives to me, you know, the big winners of this whole situation were, though, Who? at the end of the day, uh, uh, Venables and Sarkeesian, because there is yeah. it, there isn't the pressure on those two coaches all of a sudden now to make both teams that much better this season. Because and, what was the discussion going to be like? If oh, you no, didn't no, make I disagree. They need to do great this year. I thought you were going to say they're winners because they get to play in a shittier conference. They better no, win no, the conference. No, because I'll say this. The, 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 the worry was if there wasn't this gigantic jump, especially for Oklahoma, to get to maybe nine or ten wins, then all of a sudden the question was going to be, is Venables our guy to lead us into the SEC? Is he good enough as a coach to make the jump from the Big 12 to the SEC. We don't want to be the laughing stocks of the SEC. Do we need to bring in a more veteran head coach as we make that transition over? Now, all of a sudden, he gets two more years to build the program to possibly be better and more equipped to handle SEC competition. So I think he does buy himself an extra year before fans really question, is he good enough to coach in the SEC as a head coach here at Oklahoma? Uh, maybe. If they don't hit nine or ten wins next year, though, uh, I think people are going to be asking those questions like uh, already. Um, yeah. Hey, Aaron, when you go to the water park, do you pee in the pool? Do you pee in the yes. do you pee in the Lazy yeah. River? Yeah. Are you going to the water park today? Yeah, we're about to go right now. What do you like a wave pool or a Lazy River best? I'm more of a Lazy River guy. You know, get a couple cocktails, sit in the Lazy River. Uh, we'll go on some of the water slides, and uh, yeah, it'll be a fun afternoon. All right. Get my, well, my tan on with my three-inch seam shorts. Y'all have fun. Your legs look great. Your arms look great. Your tan looks great. With your smile, always dazzling, looks even better. Tell Sharon, thank you so much for allowing you to uh, take on vacation, uh, making it into a take-cation. And again, I don't know how many of these will do this week, uh, but we will do some more stuff. So we will not be silent. We will not go quietly into that good night. Um, thank you, Aaron, again. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. That really helps. Uh, if you're listening on podcasts, as always, rate and review it. That really helps up if like, if you enjoy it all, right, obviously. And uh, sign up for FanDuel, promo code SNAPS, and a huge thank you to Ryan Brumley, Paul Ferrandi, Pat Gunner. Danny Cardenas, uh, y'all have a great day, and we'll be back with more snaps later on. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host 
host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.